The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to the Writer Files. This is your host, Calvin Reed. I'm here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. The Guardian writer, psychology journalist, and author of the acclaimed book, The Antidote Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. Oliver Berkman dropped by the program to talk to me about the writer's journey, turning a weekly column into a book, and rethinking positive thinking. Oliver writes about psychology, self-help culture, productivity, and the science of happiness for his columns in both The Guardian and Psychology's Magazine. And he's also interviewed a laundry list of celebrities ranging from Al Gore to Jerry Seinfeld. In his critically acclaimed book, The Antidote, The author went undercover into the heart of the happiness industrial complex to explore why our relentless pursuit of happiness and success often leaves us feeling the opposite. The author looked at academics, psychologists, Buddhists, business consultants, philosophers, and many others in a unique search for an alternative path to happiness and success that involves embracing failure, pessimism, insecurity, and uncertainty the very things we spend our lives trying to avoid. The LA Times said of the book, Berkman's tour of the negative path to happiness makes for a deeply insightful and entertaining book. In part one of this file, Oliver and I discuss the author's lifetime love of journalism, how his challenges with time management led to his latest book project, why constraints can improve your productivity, and time-tested advice for getting words onto the page. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And we are rolling once again on the writer files today with a special guest. Oliver Berkman has uh, agreed to join us and, uh, journalist, guardian, writer, columnist, extraordinaire, and author of 
a book I am quite enjoying right now, The Antidote, Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. Probably one of the greatest titles for a self-help book uh, ever. Thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. (laughs) So um, as I noted earlier, uh, you are probably sick of... Uh, talking about the antidote, um, it has been out for several several years now, but it does seem um, somewhat uh, timely now for some reason. Uh, when I found it via another great article you wrote for the Guardian, and uh, my wife saw the title uh, sitting on the the uh, kitchen table, she was like, "Yes," and I was like, "I know it's it's perfect. It's perfect for right now." Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, I'd love to talk to you some about that, some about what you're up to. You. Um, more recently, you write about social psychology, self-help culture, productivity, and the science of happiness, all these great things. Um, yeah, I'd love to just kind of get into your process. So maybe for, for listeners who aren't kind of like familiar with you or your, or your journey as a writer, you could um, kind of get us up to uh, speed a little bit on kind of how you got here. Sure, yes. I always feel like my, my, uh, my story of my personal story as a writer is incredibly boring because I've had like, I've been on like a one track, had a one track mind with, with regard to this since I was about like eight or something. And my parents and uh, will uh, embarrass me if requested by getting out copies of the kind of um, little sort of photocopied newsletter. I tried to make my uh, like grade school or, you know, I, I whatever, whether I write, it's not elementary school, it's but primary school in the UK. Uh, yeah. pe- people read, you know, and I was um, I was sort of doing uh, all that kind of school newspaper stuff, and then student journalism at university, and then like as soon as I could, I started hanging around the offices of newspapers, doing kind of casual copy editing shifts here and there until uh, I don't know. I guess it was simpler to give me a job than to get me uh, get security to escort me from the building. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I just like I I want to be able to say like you know. First of all, I went out and got a ton of life experience, <laughs> and then I decided it was time to write about it. But actually, I have apparently known from a very, very young age that uh, that writing and sort of journalism specifically, because I still think of the book and the book I'm working on now as as journalism. Some people take that as a, almost a derogatory term compared to like I don't know nonfiction writing or something. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I sort of wanted to do it all along. Now in that time, I've done a lot of very different. So I have done news reporting. I've been uh, reporting from the UK, the US, written about politics, written about, uh, you know, interviewed a bunch of, you know, celebrities for yeah. movie pages or whatever, you know, so I have done a bunch of different things in that time, but uh, looked at from one level higher up, you know, one vantage point higher up. It is just, uh, it's just writing stuff since I was uh, yeah, uh, old enough to have any thought about what I wanted to do. Wow. Wow. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. 
It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So um, that's cool. So your life experience has been your, your, your um, kind of the journey is the destination uh, for writing. So there wasn't like a, a lightning bolt. Uh, it just kind of was always a part of your life, huh? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that did sort of happen that was in, that was interesting from my perspective, I don't know about anyone else, was that, you know, um, specifically coming to write about psychology, psychotherapy, work, productivity, all this kind of area of stuff. That was very much a kind of, um, that was a sort of fairly sudden realization that I was already obsessed with this kind of all this stuff in my personal life and in my work, work life, and that actually it was really good stuff to write about. So, um you know, I was, I was sort of geeking out on uh, productivity systems and uh, and sort of reading, furtively reading self help books uh, yeah. long before I realised that actually it was a good, interesting, you know, journalistic subject matter as well. And I hope that the result in the case of the antidote is somewhere between, you know, a self help book and a a, a reported uh, work of journalism. And I, you know, I kind of like going back and forth over that line. Yeah, yeah. Well, the antidote, uh, dubbed as a um, anti self help self help book, said some great critical claim. And uh, you know, I mean, it's described as kind of that blurb: success through failure, calm through embracing anxiety, a total original approach to self help. And I'm really glad I found it. Um, the the time management piece you wrote, why time management is ruining our lives, is actually how I found you. And uh, that was a fantastic piece, also. So as you mentioned, you kind of cover. You cover a lot of different um, bases there with your with your journalism, um, but uh, that was a great piece. Uh, you were talking about how time is kind of slipping out of our control, and the, the thousands of productivity apps that we're faced with every day and techniques designed to kind of enhance our personal productivity seem to exacerbate those anxieties, right. which is something that you cover quite extensively um, as to the reasons uh, behind that. So that's cool that the that the book, uh, it seems, was kind of a um, a culmination of a lot of the things that you write about in your column for The Guardian there. Uh, this column will change your life. And then, um, you know, it's also, as you noted, kind of, um, it's got these great story. it's got great storytelling, fantastic examples from uh, great philosophers, uh, psychologists, a lot of uh, good writerly quotes in there too. Thank you very much. Um, you know, you've got like Edith Wharton and, and Shakespeare, and uh, you know, you you get into uh, pieces on on how the beat poets kind of all get into meditation and so on and so forth. So I am very much enjoying the the book, the antidote. Um, so uh, what are you working on now? You know, there's there's lots of places to find your work out there. I'll link to the to the column and your website. Um, what do, what do you got in the hopper? Well, I'm continuing to write the column for The Guardian and working on a few long pieces for them. But I guess the biggest thing is I am working on a another book, um, which is kind of 
picks up on some of those themes in the in the time management piece because it is about more generally time and like how to use time and our experience of time and um you know basically trying to look at this question of time management which tends to be treated in a very sort of superficial way in my opinion um through a kind of philosophical lens if that doesn't sound too grandiose you know based on the fact that like human life is very short you know the, the, an average human lifespan is something like four thousand weeks it's always a terrifying figure whenever i mm. think about it and so really time management is the ultimate problem in philosophy right because it's like how do you make the most of this um incredibly short period of time and um so, you know, it's, it's a kind of a large subject, but I'm trying to look at that in this book through um, psychology, uh, different ways in which we experience time, what affects our experience of time, what makes time feel like it's speeding up as we get older, what, um, and also then uh, um, some of the particular challenges that everyone seems to be dealing with a lot these days, which are very much sort of time-related challenges like distraction and short attention spans and... Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And as ever, and this is a really important point to make in anything I'm writing where I'm telling people, giving people advice, like this is all just the stuff that I'm <laughs> agonizing about and grappling with. This isn't, yeah. um, this is never because like I've solved all the problems and my life is perfect. And now I'm going to tell you how to have a perfect life. It's always more kind of therapy <laughs> where I'm, uh, you know, trying to sort of work it through, uh, in the form of a book and hope that it maybe helps some other people along the way. Oh, so that's the main it. thing. The main thing is the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to just kind of pick your brain about productivity. Um, and then, you know, kind of how you fit all the pieces together. Cause you're working, you know, you obviously have a, a weekly column. Um, you do kind of other things on the side and then you're working on this new book. So how much time are you spending reading, doing research kind of before you get started? Wow. It's, I, I sort of, I so love talking about this topic. It's almost troubling because I think it is partly a partly talking about your process is a great way to not get on with your writing process. But anyway, um, I think that, um, you know, and, and the other thing to say is that, uh, uh, we have a, a, a three month old uh, baby at the moment. So, um, everything I've learned about productivity and, and work processes has kind of been, ripped up into small shreds and thrown up in the air and it's all kind of resettling a little bit at the moment. <laughs> I think that's actually been really useful uh, from the point of view of my writing. I'm, I'm glad to have that kind of um, earthquake yeah. uh, strike the process because, it, you know, you get out of all sorts of ruts. And the other thing, of course, is that when you don't have very much time because you're trying to be a sort of active parent as well, um, it turns out to be quite good, actually. If you only have three or four hours in a day to dedicate to your writing, you, you, um, you get a move on. Um, if you have, uh, yeah. 15 hours, you, uh, <laughs> risk spending it all on Twitter. I still spend plenty of time on Twitter, but, but less than I did. Um, I, um, I've always kind of been someone who very much mixes up the research, reporting, reading, uh, planning and writing. So, um, it's really hard for me to sort of figures on it and say well if I'm writing a book first of all I would spend this many months doing the research and then I'll move to the writing phase there's a little bit of that you know obviously towards the end it's more writing and towards the beginning it's more research but I've always sort of jumbled it up um sort of divided up into chapters or chunks and try to research and write one of them just to have something and then you keep the other tracks going simultaneously I think that's probably a very sort of Someone trained in newspapers like I was, I think that's probably a very typical thing as opposed to being, I don't know, an academic 
who moved into this kind of writing. Um, yeah. And it's all, it's all kind of jumbled. And I have quite sort of um, thought through ways of keeping the material organized, like physically and then Evernote and Word and everything. But, but when it comes to actually how I'm using the time, all those stages are, are pretty much jumbled up um, mm-hmm. with each other. And I think that's, you know, partly I am unable to do anything more organized, but, but it's also because um, <laughs> I think it's also helpful. You know, I think you sort of, one of the things I always get from planning and actually writing long pieces or chapters is, you know, then you suddenly see the piece that you're missing and the yeah. person you've got to go and talk to or the bit of your argument that doesn't make sense yet. So you've got to go away and, you know, walk around the park with a pencil in your mouth for a couple of hours to try to figure out how to make it make sense. And you don't find that if you don't get going, you know, if you just, um, if you're just sort of uh, vacuuming up information, waiting for the day when you are going to start writing. Yeah, yeah. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, it seems like there's a piece, a teaching piece to kind of do what you do, too. Um, it's almost as if you are a, uh, you know, you're, I mean, it's almost like you're in academics uh, with the amount of research that you kind of put into stuff. So, um I'm sure that that your brain is again kind of has needs those restful periods where you're doing like pro- pro- productive procrastination and <laughs> focusing on other or taking you know or just taking a walk to let your brain kind of incubate some of those bigger ideas because um, there's a lot of a lot of big ideas uh, in your writing. So, I mean, it sounds like you sit down every day, but you, do you find that you're like more productive in the morning or the evening, or, or again, is it just kind of whenever the the uh, inspiration strikes? No, on the level of the day, I am fairly, um, I'm fairly rhythmic. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, as I say, thrown up in the air a bit recently. But basically, I, I am a morning writer, and um, I sort of try to ring fence um, really only maybe four hours occasionally, and maybe five consecutive hours. But usually, you know, it used to be like seven thirty a.m. to half past midday. Um, yeah. Now, thanks to my son, it is more like going to be 9 a.m. to, to 1 or 1.30 or something. Right. Um, but but that's sort of before anything else. And on a good day, you, uh, this does not always work. And anyone listening will probably be able to go on Twitter and find evidence of it not working. <laughs> but, but on a good day, I would not check email or Twitter or anything else before those hours are done. Um, I even um, got... I got <laughs> I got an old. I've got a MacBook uh, Air, like probably everybody, and I and I and I had an old one that I thought was broken, and I replaced it, and then I realized I could get that one fixed for a small <laughs> sum. So now I've got like a machine that I try to do the writing on for the book, uh-huh. and it is, it's um, it does have the internet, but it basically has nothing. Like it's you know, it's it's got, I've, I've deliberately sort of removed uh, the possibility of. Uh, uh, almost any form of distraction. I can find a browser because sometimes you need to go back and look at your research or whatever, but uh, yeah. online somewhere. But um, 
But uh, so that's the kind of trick that has worked quite well for me on the book with more sort of day to day journalism. You need to be more connected than that. So I don't try to um, uh, sort of hide myself away so much in those hours. But um, yeah, the only thing that has ever really worked for me is the time on an advice to do the most important thing first. And yeah. then, you know, if the rest of the day sort of collapses into a mess, at least <laughs> you've done the thing that. Right. That's a good one. Uh, both, well, both the, um, using a dedicated, um, machine for, um, the, the bigger writing piece and then swallowing your frog kind of first thing, first thing in the day is, uh, those are, those are good, uh, time attested tricks. Um, all right. So I I mean, really want to pick your brain about, the writer's block uh, question. I've, I've spoken with, and I know you you kind of rub elbows with neuroscience and, and uh, psychology, and I've actually had a neuroscientist on the show to talk to me about um, some of the causes of writer's block, or you know, even even whether or not it's a thing. So, ha- do you have mm-hmm. some pr- do you have some uh, thoughts on the uh, subject? Yeah, I don't have much in the way of sort of uh, scientific explanations for it. It's not something I've worked on recently in that sense, but I've sort of experienced my fair share of it. Um, I really like, there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a guy called Paul Sylvia who wrote a book called How to Write a Lot, which is aimed at um, academic psychologists, but it's actually really useful information for anybody writing, I think. Um, and he makes this great point that like writer's block is kind of an example of a certain kind of uh, fallacy in, in um, explanation because you're, you're using the description of what happens, which is that you're not getting your writing done as an explanation. So it's like, mm. well, I'm not doing any writing. I must have writer's block. It's just another way of saying, I'm not doing any writing. I must not be doing any writing. <laughs> um, and so it's sort of a description of a behavior, uh, sort of masquerading as um, an explanation for yeah. that behavior. Yeah. I don't know that um, some distinct thing called writer's block uh, you know, is it really in any meaningful sense exists. I think that procrastination and inactivity <laughs> and not doing the things you wanted to do definitely exist. And, and <laughs> probably we sort of romanticize it a bit more with writing yeah. than we do with, with other things. And the romanticization helps create the problem because it becomes this very sort of, this idea is there's this very grand issue that you've um that, that you've got and you know the, in this the people i'm not the first person to say but you know you don't get um washing machine repairman block or <laughs> right. um or plumber block or, or barista block you know when you have to do the job and we don't sort of glamorize it in the culture as an amazingly romantic job <laughs> um you find a way to get on with it even when like you're not feeling like doing it Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.